I just saw a news Good story from the Washington from the New York Post uh, claiming that Anthony Weiner might send his infamous crotch shot as an NFT. Finally, well, right right when it was all about to go down, I think get, it's like get it the, in now. I think it's like the perfect time, honestly, where it's like. NFTs are dead. So is Anthony Weiner, sort of a political figure. He's ready to show up and be like, I'll sell you a picture of my dick for 12 Dogecoin or whatever. And I think yeah. that really, that feels right to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. I love that's, it. So, that's so much to process. That's so much to take in, especially because I believe everyone who like has traded a single Bitcoin in my world is goes to jail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Once yeah. you're once you're king, I think that's fair. I just like I, it, it is just wild. Like how many people are are getting into this, and it's just like, is this just what I have to deal with now? Do I have to hear about this for the rest of my life? Um, I really, really. Where do hope I not. go? Where <laughs> do I go? Where do I move? Where do I stay? I'll do whatever it takes to stop hearing about crypto. I mean, I feel like if you go to lots of other countries that have like a stable economic and currency system, I think you might be fine. So NFTs I hear are dying, though. Yeah, they are. Good. All what, reports what, appear what, to indicate. What What did people just realize it was a JPEG or, or? Yeah, I mean, I think there was sort of this like this thing. This is like the short, like short, shortcut value, value theory stuff is like. Everyone's like, it's valuable. And then no one really asked why. And eventually people were like, wait, why is this valuable? And everyone was like, uh, demand. And they were like, how much demand is there? And everyone's like, uh, uh, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, but it did, it, it did blow my mind though. I, w- I was like, oh, like this is like, this is how like the underwater city of rapture gets built. It's like, there is this weird libertarian energy among certain amounts of people to, to just do this weird ass shit. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a, mm, it's yeah, there's, there's just a distrust of like a, a reasonably justifiable distrust of like institutional systems. Mm-hmm. But like, that doesn't mean that like rules are bad, but people like conflate the two things. Everyone's like the way that money works is bad. And it's like, that's true, but we shouldn't just have like made up money on the internet. That's not like a solution <laughs> to that problem. That's just a different, also bad version. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like going from like the bankers are bad. So let's give it to like a dude named Kyle who like, you know, what was making like plastic, uh, you know, g- guns, in, in his apartment before this. Right. It's weird that the Federal Reserve regulates like how much currency exists and what it's worth. But that doesn't mean it's not weird that like uh, like gun squat 420 and his 19 computers also does the same thing in like mm-hmm. a Pennsylvania, like like a like a building in Lancaster County. Like what? What is the currency that we can trust? That's wow. Tokens. The last currency. I think. Thank you, right. Blizzard. Um, I think that's right. Uh, are you what are you, are you what are you looking at? You're you I'm not checking looking at anything. Your email? I, just, I just got a work message that I thought was I was dead and I was free. I thought when I I'm said gonna, it's 5 p.m. your time, I was I was liberated from the tyranny of the of the labor hours. But I'm going to I'm going to reply to a quick email here, too. <clears throat> no, I will not return the cat. OK, perfect. <laughs> and we're done. Um, I'm so, saving this uh, cat. I'm saving this cat for later. <laughs> I'm a protagonist of a movie. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sort of a reverse structure he yeah. saves it very close to the end once everyone has stopped watching <laughs> I'm, I'm subversive that way well yeah it's, it's like people want the cat back because he took it but he's saving it for later mm-hmm. puts it in the yes. fridge in like a, mm-hmm. in a safe bag yeah well welcome to game boys <laughs> it's a show about video games and i'm Lux, <laughs> one of your hosts and i'm griffin and of course we're joined by producer haley on the whoa, what's up haley ones and twos Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day we're going to get to threes. Yeah. One day. But, but our soundboard, saying- <laughs> our soundboard just isn't there yet. We, we're right mm-hmm. now we got two numbers, but one day, mm-hmm. Ooh, buddy. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Um, and we have an eclectic show for you this morning, afternoon, or whatever time you're consuming this. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk true. about E3. We're going to talk about a few things we've seen on the internet. And Lux has something, too, that he told me about, but I, I like to forget so that it feels like a surprise and it just feels raw and in the moment. I, I, I wipe my brain. I delete every message he sends me, too. Yeah. Um, so there's no chance of me ever knowing what he's thinking about. Which is sometimes um, why episodes are yeah. late or confusing because <laughs> schedules get forgotten or like what we're doing. Um, but but but, you know. 
we got to talk at first. There was a big fight that happened last night. A big, big fight. <laughs> fight in heavy quotes. A huge fight. A brawl of sorts. Um, I watched the or attempted to watch the Logan Paul Mayweather fight last night. And uh, wow, it was it was chilling. It was awful. It was awful. It was bad. You saw it, too. I watched some of it and I don't watch a ton of boxing, but I've watched some boxing mm-hmm. and this was garbage. <laughs> right. It was yeah. like it was I saw uh, I saw a scorecard that had Logan Paul landing single digit percentage of punches across multiple rounds, which is like unheard of levels of bad. It's like if you were watching, if like you, if you like were watching your parents play Super Smash Bros. Like they're like just punching the air. They like are just on opposite sides of the stage. Like they just don't know how to play. You know, like it just it, it like. But 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 that, that of course was all by design. It just it was it, all these matches are just clearly like like they're just YouTube videos. <laughs> That's kind of you know for someone who doesn't really care about boxing, I guess whatever. But yeah, I don't know like. I would love like to see a fight. Yeah, well, it was sort of this thing where it was like Logan Paul's been training really hard to fight Floyd Mayweather. But what really happened is Logan Paul trained really hard to sort of flail at Floyd Mayweather. Well, Floyd Mayweather kind of steps out of the way most of the time and occasionally punches him at like 50 percent speed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think it was like embarrassing for everyone. Like. It right. seemed like the internet reaction that I saw, and obviously it's limited, but I was like checking stuff out, was like so negative. Like Logan Paul people were mad about it because of how stupid he looked in the fight. And Floyd Mayweather people were, were mad about it because they were like, this tarnishes your legacy. And normal people were mad about it because they were like, why did this ever fucking happen? Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird. It's like um, in so many ways, it, it has the construction of like a prank. But like it's like you're not actually doing the prank. It's it's like if Johnny Knoxville were doing like uh, a bit, but then he had like a stunt double come in and like do the bit. And it was like creatively shot, but you knew it wasn't Johnny. Yeah. Like it's like that's what this felt like. It felt like a blue ball in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, it felt like if you were watching Jackass and like they go to like get hit by like a bull, but the bull has like foam fingers on its horns. And also yeah. it's like a baby. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and and they paid the bull like $10 million yeah. like on camera. Um, but yeah, like uh, there were some things, though, that were pretty incredible about it. Uh, <laughs> Logan Paul entered wearing a gold chained Pokemon card. Diamond encrusted iced out Charizard. Iced out. It's uh, it's a, it's apparently he already spent like at least a hundred thousand dollars to buy the card yeah and now he's claiming it what's worth over a million um and yeah it was it was a striking image to just sort of see like this world of boxing just completely invaded by like a foreign entity well this is why boxing people fucking hated it so much because they were like they were like, like I even like, and there's like well-reasoned boxing people I was looking at on Twitter who are like, look, we understand that boxing is like kind of carny shit. And it's like full of like weird controversies of like cheating and bribery and whatever. And it's like, it's got like this sort of history, but like this guy's like a fucking joke. Right. And he's like mm-hmm. walking in and sort of just being like, isn't it silly that boxing, which like admittedly I agree boxing is very silly, but like it's kind of rude to like go up in someone's house and shit on their coffee table the way Logan Paul kind of did with that fight. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I mean, honestly though, I will say like, I mean, I, it would be dope to have an iced out Charizard necklace. Like it, it's so tough because it's like, it's a, hu- it's like for me, that's a, it's a huge moment for Pokemon, Yeah, you know, but, but also at what cost? Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing three necklaces and two chains right now. Um, that's true. And like I could it would be I would not be mad if one of them was way heavier and had a diamond encrusted Charizard at the bottom. I, I know. Is it is it gauche for me to get iced out with an Articuno? Like, uh, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Tough to say. I'll find out. Um, But yeah, like this whole Pokemon thing, we talked about this on previous episodes, this this sort of the YouTuber, like the opening of Pokemon cards or whatever. And and Logan Paul has been like recently doing this a fuck ton. Like he has done like multiple videos with the titles like I bought 
$200,000 worth of Pokemon cards. Uh, another title is I spent $2 million on Pokemon cards. Another title is opening the million dollar first edition Pokemon box. And like it goes on and on. Like this dude has spent so many millions of dollars on Pokemon cards um, and that him, and him amongst other streamers have as well. That The Pokemon company says they cannot print cards fast enough now. <laughs> Great. And that, see, this is this is the argument for NFTs. Wow. Because yeah. you can just make infinite like that's what the NBA is doing, right? They're making infinite NBA trading card NFTs with Top Shot. Like may, maybe like that's maybe that's what we needed for Pokemon. So people stop beating each other up and fucking Logan Paul stops strip mining the Pokemon company of their children's game. That's like that is actually so profoundly sad to me that there are children who like like to play Pokemon and like to build decks and like have fun with their friends who can't get cards because Logan Paul needs to run his YouTube channel. Like, yeah, that is a yeah. fucking bummer, dude. That sucks. It, it's gnarly because it's not like, oh, this dude was rich, so he got the PS5 first or whatever, or he got a PS5 for him and his friend or whatever. It's like you are like sucking up the entire industry. It's like if you bought the PS5 and every game from GameStop right. as and, well. And it's like if PS5s were uh, to me, the other thing that's striking is like. It's like if PS5s were like for children, right? Like if if right. PS5s were like a toy that a bunch of kids wanted, you bought them all. Then it's like that's why it's fucked up to me. It's like yeah, this it's like you kidnapped the Teletubbies. Yeah, this game the, the, <laughs> like the PS5 is a flex for adults. Pokemon cards are a flex for children, and you're robbing children of their games straight up to flex at adults, and it's insane. <laughs> so Paul says he's he's nowhere near done by with this uh, with his antics in terms of sucking this company dry. He says uh, to quote, they're called appreciating assets i'm done buying lamborghinis i'm done buying stuff that won't make me money i mean he's making a pretty big assumption about the pokemon card market but but he's right about the car yeah but like he's not wrong about like shifting his money to appreciating assets like that is like a smart business choice (laughs) like that is what you're supposed to do so good guy, I guess good for him. Like good that kind he's of, figured kind, that out. Kind of five head to ruin everyone's time. Yeah. Um, but uh it, it was kind of fascinating head. to see like all of that. And then yeah, you mentioned earlier, but yeah, it is wild that like Mayweather like did this fight at all because it's like he doesn't need money. He like at this point in your career, isn't it all just about your legacy at this point? And like watching the fight, it felt like to me, that scene in Space Jam where the they like the the bad guys tell Michael Jordan if he loses, he's like chained to a basketball court in their theme park where everyone gets to like sh- win against him and like shoot a basket hoop. Like that's like what this felt like. It felt like the dark timeline of Space Jam. Yeah, I mean that's that's funny because it is actually very close. I actually also thought of Space Jam while I was looking at highlights of this. So I thought of a different part of Space Jam, which was the part where the NBA players who have their powers stolen try to play basketball. <laughs> again yes um, what a rich text that's sort of what it felt like to me just in the sense of like like i've watched floyd mayweather matches i've watched him like the really like big ones or whatever and like mm-hmm. they're like i hate him he's a bad man he's a known abuser and 50 cent made fun of him for not knowing how to read on twitter which is one of the funniest things that's ever happened but um and like he sucks but like i've watched him fight and he's like it's incredible like he's so fast he's like so like precise and it just felt like he just like looked like a kind of like lazy drunk dude fighting a way lazier, way drunker dude. Like it was so slow and so boring. And like, I don't know. It just like there's nothing interesting about it. And it just felt like, I don't know, this weird thing where it's like if you got Hussein Bolt to like race a dude who had like who's like just a normal like slow guy. You know what I mean? Like there's just no magic in that. And it's yeah, just, it's like a, like Sonic or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It just um, didn't it, feel good. It, it, it didn't feel good. Yeah. And it's like, listen, like if I'm guys, if I'm ever at Logan Paul level, I promise you right now I'm getting knocked out. I'm going all the way. I want to lose consciousness. And I'll, and that's what an entertainer does. OK. Yeah. I and mean, that's how you know Chum's got your back is Chum will get. Uh, hematoma from I will get my ass whipped but yeah that was that was that that was the Pokemon I think the Pokemon thing was the the most positive part out of it the Pokemon thing was good I just want to say really quickly uh, Logan Paul has been training for a long time with a bunch of people pay a lot of money to like teach him how to box and he sucks 
Like, yeah, yeah. That's a good last <laughs> note. It really did seem like he like didn't even put up a good a- per actor's performance of like what a boxing punch looks yeah, like. I like, couldn't tell. And I'm not like, again, not a boxing expert, but like I couldn't tell like his jabs from his hooks, from his crosses, from anything. It just all looked the same. It was mm-hmm. all just sort of like, yeah. yeah, it was just like, it, oh, fucking it was miserable. And I didn't even watch the, the thing. I just watched like yeah. YouTube highlights and shit. Well, I am booking the next match, Jake Paul versus David Hogg. So that'll be another good one. <laughs> See, Keep your that, guys eye peeled. I think that would be a much better one because that feels yeah, of like, course. like like David Hogg does not have to like level down to be in the same ring with Jake Paul in the way that Floyd Mayweather had to like turn the sliders all the way down. <laughs> and, and listen, guys, it becomes a Second Amendment fight and then it becomes the most watched fight in the in, in the history of fights. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. <laughs> right, damn. Um, Griffin, start booking Caesar's Palace. I'm just going to start booking because it's like we've realized that, oh, it's like boxing is actually you don't have to be a boxer anymore. And now we can make in, do interesting matches. Yeah. See, matches of intellect. It's almost as though wrestling is the only real sport. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, yeah. You would never see that in wrestling. Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what? Just while I had Pokemon on the brain, I just wanted to stop for just two, two seconds on the side of the road here to say I showed you the trailer to Pal World. Yes, you did. Okay, which I would just describe as like the Republican Pokemon. (laughs) It's basically like an open world Pokemon game, but there's guns in every element of it. Uh, You use Pokemon to like block bullets for you. You use Pokemon to build guns in factories and they look very sad. Um, And your Pokemon sometimes also shoot guns on top of you. Uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty freedom for second amendment brother. And, uh, I'm kind of interested. Yeah. I, I was confused by the (laughs) trailer you sent me, um, because I like just couldn't tell what kind of game it was at all. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. like there was some combat stuff and you're like building a house and you have these Pokemon guys and then you're at a, a fucking campfire and it's just like, it just I didn't understand. Is it like an adventure game? Is it a town building game? Is it both? Is it a resource collection? It's like it's it just had so much. It just had so much going on. It really just felt like uh, someone just like threw everything at the wall. And then guns as well. Like that's the funny, like extra little addition yeah. to every element because it's like, yeah, like you go and you build a house, you, you, but you make the Pokemon build the house for you, which I actually thought was kind of cool. But then like you, there's these shots of like Pokemon in a factory crying while making guns. Yeah. And then there's just like you use Pokemon as a shield, like a bullet shield sometimes. So there's, um, it, it just seems weird. It seems really like cheaply made, but I just, I just kind of love, I love the idea of like, like right wing versions of of games, it's very funny to me, and I, and I hope we see more of them. I do too. Um, I mean, okay, I'll say this: I've said on the podcast and in life to you that I'm pro the idea of Pokemon with guns. I think that that's good. Sure. I think it's funny. I think it should be one game. Um, I don't think this is it for me. I don't think this is doing what I wanted Pokemon with guns to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's a, you know, it's kind of a letdown for someone who's been a, a weirdly vocal, uh, yeah, a weirdly vocal pro Pokemon having guns advocate. I, like I got my first, maybe, maybe that's what it is. You know, like you dream of something and then you get the real version and it just like can never compare. Yeah. And like maybe that's that, what's that, happening that's to what me. Like I've, expectations versus reality. Totally. What I expected was Pikachu with like a desert eagle, like pointing it at like Charizard and crying. And mm-hmm. instead, what I got was like a large deer building a house and some child animals crying in a gun factory, which is just like not <laughs> not doing it. Um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like exactly a vibe. Uh, also, yeah, Power World. What a bad name. You, yeah, really bad. You, really know, you know how. Um, you know how like Republicans like every couple of years will do like a violence in video games riff or whatever. Like I would love to see the opposite happen with this game where like liberals are like this game is teaching kids to love guns <laughs> like that, that. That would be awesome. It would be so funny just because like immediately like it's everyone would just be like if you like Call of Duty like what are you talking like yeah <laughs> what do you mean but it's but it but the, it but it is the child aesthetic right yeah, it, there's like, a little bit of that argument but there's like kids games with guns for sure totally totally um, but this one this one seems to have like a very striking imbalance in the imagery 
Um, yeah, that is true. Um, Any, anyways, something something to consider if anyone is looking for a little, little, just a pinch or drop of cloud on the internet, and they want to start a huff. Try that. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to you know get people off their fucking spinning spinning uncontrollably into a sort of a mind melt. It's a good way to get a little bit of attention for yourself. Uh, so, uh, Lex, what did, what did you want to talk about before we get into want, E3? Okay. So here's the thing I was thinking about. Um, I've gotten really into, I realized, okay, this is a better way to put it. I realized something recently, which is that there's like a fundamental tension between like art, like artistic practice in video games and game design principles. Um, and what I mean by this is that game design principles are all about creating legibility and playability, right? Like making it really easy to understand what's going on and making the game playable to achieve certain goals. I think the, obviously that's like why Super Mario level one is so like well talked about in terms of video game design, because it's like everything that happens in there drives you towards playing the game in a clean way. And in the years since then, sort of game design has sort of assumed that you've played other video games. Like the way games are designed now is not like this is your first video game. Um, totally. And then I was thinking about Undertale and what Undertale does that's so cool is that if you play it and for even one second play it in the mindset you'd play a normal video game, you don't get to play like three hours of the game or get the cool ending. Like if you make the normal choice of like kill the weirdo that you meet, then like you lose on out in the game. And like that's good art. It's subversive and it's challenging, but it's bad game design. <laughs> Yeah, like it's like it doesn't work. And those two and like you can't have like and there's other games like that. Like there's this game I was looking at. I can't remember what it's called on my head. But it's one where like you have to log 500 hours in the game to get to the end. Like that's the win con is just logging mm-hmm. 500 hours. And there's not much you can. There's nothing you need to speed that up. There are ways you can slow it down if you fuck up. Um, and again, it's like an interesting meditation on like what we do with games, what spending time on games means. And that's artistically interesting. But again, it's, that's bad game design. It's unplayable. But sometimes like bad game design makes things more interesting. Yeah, totally. And well, and and that like on an intentional level, like they trade off like because good game design doesn't subvert your expectations of games. Usually it builds on them and assumes them and it incorporates them into like this bigger thing. But art by necessity, like has to challenge your assumptions about stuff. Right. Like that's what it's for is to be mm-hmm. like, oh, you thought X, but actually why? And so I've just found it like really fucking fascinating the more I think about this that like is there a way like it seems like it's impossible to really hit the peaks of both to me hmm. that like a really cleanly designed game could never be perfect artistically like it could be thematically interesting but it could never be like formally you know um I don't know though because to me that 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 devotes that like art is valued based on or like too much art is valued on the surprise or like seeing something new whereas like sometimes like a beautiful piece of art is something so simple that I have seen before but it's just done incredibly well see I think that's and that raises this other question that is like another thing I've been thinking about in the same context which is like the difference between like art and craft right like I, I totally agree. Like I've seen like paintings, for instance, that don't like say anything or challenge my expectations, but they're just like so well done that I'm just like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that's like more- any any Minecraft build. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I built all of the Game of Thrones map in Minecraft. Yeah, I'm and, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I wonder like what the sort of how you draw that distinction out too. That like art is like this sort of is it is it based on like challenging an assumption is it based on having something to say is it based on like having an idea and executing it and like what's between that and craft which is like technique and 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 sort of following through on technique and where does game design fit between those two ideas it's just something to that me, i've been like be a, kicking yeah, around a lot to me it's never like 25 percent this 25 percent this and it's always the same equation to me we always evaluate the story based on the storyteller's priorities and what they set as right. the priorities and what they think is important. And so it's like, if the storyteller is telling me A, B, and C are most important to them, well, then I'm going to expect them to do A, B, and C well. And like, if D is not on their radar or wasn't something they cared about, then it's like, it doesn't, that's not the focus of this piece. Totally. I, I think, I mean, I think that's for sure when you're evaluating a piece, you have to think about it that way. But what I mean is that like, say, like Call of Duty, for instance, right? Um, Call of Duty games are, in some cases, very well designed. Um, the craft is super there. Everything works great. Everything looks great. It has a thing to say, which is that, like, America rules. It's good to fight wars. Go get your gun. But I wouldn't call mm-hmm. them artistic, right? Um, even though they do all the stuff we just talked about, except the one thing they don't really do is, like, challenge or have, like, a message that goes beyond the thing itself. 
Um, and I find that to be a very interesting and curious dynamic and one that like I'm I'm curious. I, I, I don't know. I don't have all my thoughts all the way established. Um, or thought all the way out, but I'm very curious about sort of a, what you think about that and be like what that means for like video games as art, as like a discussion, like how, because I think, I think you made the argument undertale is one of the best art games ever made. I also think that like, it has some serious game design fucking problems. I mean, look, it's executing an idea and it's executing an idea by challenging its own medium, right? Like it's, it's doing, could, could like, you, could you potentially feel that like, I don't know that like there maybe we're you're thinking about the difference between challenging art and art that isn't challenging, but that's not necessarily like a value judgment. But I don't think it's just like, a question right? of like just because something's challenging doesn't necessarily make it more more of a valuable or more interesting. I don't think it's like, good by virtue of it being challenging. I think that it's cha- it, it being challenging in the context of Undertale is a necessary component to it being good. But it's not like why it's good, right? Like just the way you had to build the game to make the argument they're making had to be challenging. Um, But I think that what makes it good is that it's super coherent and specific and that it's not rehashing and it's it's doing a new thing and that it's applying a new thing and that it's taking an idea and moving with it and using it in a new way. Um, And I think that's what's interesting about it. And I think that's what's artistic about most video games is that they they do play with your expectations and they do manipulate. I think that's true of most art. Um is that it also interacts with and, and messes with your expectations and messes with your sort of built in assumptions. Um, and I think the thing is that it isn't challenging. I think there's good video games that are, that are good art that aren't like particularly challenging. I mean, like mountain is a good example, right? Like that's a game where you just like draw a picture of a mountain and sit there and like watch a mountain do cool stuff. And it's like, I think that's a good artistic game because it, it's a different approach to the gaming as a medium. It's cool. Visually, there's a lot of craft there. I think that's interesting, but I, I find that distinct from like Call of Duty because Call of Duty, I think even when it has something to say, it's having something to say is secondary to its like formal existence. Like it's like, yeah, well, America, blah, blah, blah. blah. But the main thing is that you get to shoot a gun at a guy. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Undertale's main thing is sort of to communicate these ideas about like interpersonal relationships and friendships and like what matters and doesn't matter. And even like what matters in video games. And I think that there's like a maybe this is more things that like. At a certain point of ambition in video game art, I think you start to get the straight off. Um, hmm. I think maybe you're right that you can sort of pull off these smaller scale things without making these trades. But I think at a certain level, like if you want to really be ambitious with video game art, you end up having to sort of run into like game design problems. Because if you're doing something counterintuitive, because good game design is intuitive and good art is generally counterintuitive. I see. So, so sort of there's a lot there, but sort of it seems like the thesis you're trying to reach at is that like. But if you make a really interesting or unusual choice, it often means you're doing bad game design. Right. Exactly. And it's like and so that creates like a perverse incentive in both directions where it's yeah, like to like almost make it just smoother and soupier uh, at the risk of it being more interesting. Exactly. Or make it extra interesting at the risk of it being unplayable, like this yeah, fucking yeah, right, 500 right. hour game where you don't do anything. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like I think I would think of that a lot, especially when you mentioned E3 earlier, like you think about that a lot is like what the priorities for games are, because I think there's been this really interesting thing. And it happens every like six months or something where someone applies artistic standards to video games and then everyone's like mad about it because they think that they actually don't live up to them. And then they're like, well, it's a different standard. And it's like, OK, sure. But then we then we need to figure out as people who play video games and care about this shit, like what that standard is. And no one seems to want to do that work. And I think that there is this intersection of like. Part of that work, I think, is figuring out this relationship between like playability and like artistic ambition and like where they can and cannot overlap. Yeah. I mean, I also think that like to a certain extent, especially with like uh, with like games and stuff, people, a lot of people are going to it to there to like relax and escape yeah. and not be like challenged all over again. Right. Well, um, you know. Yeah. I don't. That's that's another thing I think people and this is for like this is too video. This is like too like video games should all be scrutinized like art people. It's like they shouldn't. Like a lot of games are just to be a game to play. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that is an art. That, and that's a great goal, but it's not necessarily an artistic goal. Um, and I think that that's fine, too. But I do think there are games like, I mean, Last of Us 2, for instance, that like really positions itself as high art, like in its own way of talking about itself. Um, and I think that's where these like conversations about like, well, how artistic is it? If it's just like rehashing stuff we've seen before, is that good art or is that good craft? Like those kind of questions become really interesting to me in that context. 
Um, something I've been yeah. thinking about a, bunch, about a bunch lately, which I find to be a very fascinating, like dichotomy here. I think outside of like the the sort of the 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 game design part of the conversation it seems to me like most audiences don't like challenging content in terms of like topics and like and like and like and like going places that feel unsafe or or like places that feel like that we're not allowed to talk about we've obviously talked about this with attack on titan and stuff like that um but that also is very present i see in in the video games industry as as more as like games constantly demand or like in uh, like insist that they're not political like far cry 6 um and, and stuff like that it, it does seem to me but then also from the consumer side too it seems to me that people are very like heavily aware of like the morality of the content that they consume or like they want to know that the content they consume is moral um which also leads to like boring storytelling i think um but uh um, but, you know, there's a lot of stories out there in the world and very few of them are good and even fewer are in video games. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's true. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's true. Like with any media or any like media as in the pearl of mediums, like I think that there is this moment where like it ha- like there are moments for us to reconcile like what the goals are of it and how you subdivide the the stuff that gets put out. Right. Like. There was obviously the time in like the early 2000s where it was like, oh, TV is like a, an art form in a literary sense, the way that movies are um, or can be that. But not all TV is that. How do we tell the difference? What are the priorities there? Blah, 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 blah. And I think like it's sort of time for that conversation to hit the video game sphere. Um, but uh, you there's, know. there's something um, to like Red Dead Redemption 2, the slowness of it, the almost like yeah. overweighty clumsiness of the movement at times that like felt like uh, a bad design choice, but brought me into the narrative and story way more. Yeah, like this happens with basically every form of like media. I think for video games, reconciling playability and game design with like artistic ambition and achievement. I think it's gonna be a really interesting tension over time. That's what I wanted to talk about and we did. And now let's talk about something different. I think that I think that it's going to be if when they finally get all of the female protagonists to wear a little bit of blush and smile and look a little bit more like Instagram models. Oh, my God. That guy, that fucking post. It's especially that was funny. my alt. I especially. Oh, really? Well, I got to tell you something funny that that image of the the done up like a less political uh, character was a was a satire piece from a Reddit page that they lifted. Like nice. it was like originally a joke about those people. And they were like, oh, uh, yeah, we do love uh, we do want to put some lip gloss on this cave lady. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's good shit. Um, but uh, you got You get it. You segue out. OK, um, well, I mean, I talked to <laughs> the thing I want to talk about. But one thing that's coming up that we both want to talk about that we're both excited for is uh, E3. E3 is looming and it's booming and we're about to get into it. Uh, Griffin, let's talk about E3. Are you excited about it? Are you excited without a question mark? You were nodding when I started talking. I'm excited. I'll say I think I'm about to you. I told you I reminded you it's coming in a week and a half and you said your your expectations are in the dirt. And and I was like, I I have to spend the second half of this podcast getting you excited because there are things to be excited for. Yeah, in theory, that's true. In theory, it's true. Um, I mean, I mean, listen, like before we get into talking about the future of games again, I'd love to give myself a little bit of applause that I, I do deserve on this show for telling everyone. I mean, months ago that God of War 2 was not coming out this that's year. That's true. You did nail that one. I mean, a total slam dunk on my part. They yeah. announced they said that it's not coming out. I mean, it's probably not coming out until like fall 2022 now. Um, the right decision. But wow. Yeah, I could, I could smell that one a mile away. That was yeah. easy. Yeah, I do think that one thing about the pandemic that made game scheduling funny is that like no one actually knew what the toll on timing was going to be and like when they'd get back to normal or how that would change. So just kind of shot random numbers into the dark as far as like, yeah, we'll finish this game by uh, around this time. 
mm-hmm. then like no one knew anything. They're like almost always wrong. I, I would also say, too, though, that like, you know, a lot of people talk about how working from home made people more productive. And I'm sorry if this is makes me look bad, but I argue in some industries that's clearly not the case. Like clearly certain things work better when you can work with your teammates. Like I don't think it's inherently wrong to like have to work in a space with people, especially in certain things where like that makes it way easier than just being on a Zoom call with them. Right. I mean, there's. But what we've I think people are acting like what we've discovered from work at home time during the pandemic is like the the way people are acting is that we discovered that all work should be done from home. Actually, we've actually discovered is that a lot more work should be done from home than we thought. But that doesn't mean all work needs to be. And there's some stuff where it does. Like you said, it does help to be in the same room with people like working in the same stuff, like with the same whiteboard or whatever. We should be home more. Certainly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but it, do, it did seem like some people took like an interesting wrong lesson from this. I mean, I certainly know that like. Listen, comedy cannot work from home, folks. Let me tell you, after watching a year of Zoom shows, um, it's uh, it, but but so that that was interesting to me. But the other really big, interesting news part about this God of War 2 announcement is that they are still making it a cross platform PS4 release, which then leaves me saying, why the fuck did I buy a PS5? Yeah, that shit sucks. And people why are justify one. People are justifiably pissed about it. And, and, and I'm sorry, again, like this is I feel like a freaking, you know, anarcho capitalist right now. But it's like I think it's ridiculous that people are like, this is a win for like all, all gamers or whatever. A game that's coming out like two years from now that it's 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 just it's just absurd to me. And it makes me feel dumb for buying the console. Yeah, it does. Like. I appreciate the sort of like, oh, great. Now I can access. Now everyone can access it. And accessibility is good, which is true. Accessibility is good. But it seems weird to but even put out a new console. Then if all your games are going to be back to the old one and the only thing the new one does is like let you watch them at a slightly higher frame rate, slightly higher resolution. It just really waters down the feeling of this next generation. Um, and I think it's a huge mistake when God of War clearly is like the title to buy the PS5 for. Right. I, like, um, we, we said on the podcast before, like Kratos is the closest thing PlayStation has to a Mario. Yeah. Or um, Master Chief. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I mean, ups to PlayStation that they've been able to sort of succeed in the way that they have without those things. And I have sort of done a different approach to like marketing their shit, but it's still like you want to put your guy over like you want to fucking you want to like push and we know also not on just top of the oh like I, it should be exclusive because I paid to whatever get the PS5 um, it's like we do know that these cross platform releases do like hamper like the scopes and heights of a game because yeah. they have to make it work on both so for God of War 2 to be not only the big game people are excited about in terms of a story and gameplay but to also be like the big technical next gen masterpiece it's also like being watered down on that level too making it a less exciting release right well that's the thing right is that i remember i remember when i talked to him if it was on the podcast or not but like we were excited about like oh this like relative like these like this like scaling the scaling rumble and the, like the the relative trigger stuff like all the haptic feedback shit like it was gonna we were excited about how they were gonna work that into stuff like god of war like how they would design god of war around all these new features they aren't doing that now because they can't because if they did that, it couldn't be on the PS4. I actually would be really pissed if they don't do haptic for it. They have to do haptic <laughs> well, feedback. They'll do, for they'll it, do something so. like that and they'll use it, but they can't design around it because they can't design around a feature that doesn't exist on one of the consoles. The game's going to be on. True. True. So they can't they can't go as deep as they could have. Right. Exactly. Certainly. And that's the bummer is that like like this, like you said, this it felt like at least. Sort of, I think I even said this on the show and was like, why is God of War coming out after the PS5 release? Why is it a launch title? And I was like, well, like, look, maybe they're like taking their time to really flex the tech of the machine and like explore these new design possibilities, blah, blah, blah. But it's clear now that that's not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sucks. <laughs> Yeah. And then also, like, if I want to I want to say to like people who are like, well, you know, it's good that like all sorts of people can play it then. And the thing is, like, yeah, I do agree with that. If if it if God of War was coming out like the winter season, the PS5 came out. I would 100% agree with you. Make it cross-platform. Not enough people have access to it or enough money to afford it. But when you simultaneously say that we are postponing it for most likely at least another year and a half, then it's like, okay, if you really want it, and you are someone who works, I'll even say, if you're just someone who works like the drive-through at McDonald's or whatever, you have like two years 
to be able to afford it and like work up to buying the game. Like it doesn't seem to me to be like an, an absurdly unreasonable or exclusive or exclusionary proposal. Right. Well, I mean, and, and this is like independent of that. I mean, I think you're, you're not wrong, but I think the, the other thing here is that like, yes, new technology that allows people to do new things with technology is inevitably going to be more expensive and to some degree exclusive. And if your argument is perpetually access at the expense of sort of new technology stuff happening, like, yes, there is a world and it's a better world that we all love where everyone has access to top end technology. And this innovation just happens because it's happening. And it's not based on your economic situation or whatever. Of course, that would be very cool. But we don't live in that world. Right. We live in a capitalist hellscape. And like at some point, you kind of have to concede that like, yeah, new tech is going to cost more money. And the question is, do you care about new tech or not? And if you don't, but you new, don't have to spend but, it. But new tech and specifically God of War 2 is not a material need that like yeah. needs complete full access to. Like, listen, like like if worse comes to worse, you play God of War 2 in 2023. You wait a year for it to be half off. Like I did that all the time as a kid. I would buy I, I wouldn't play the game. You you have you have no right to be have to play the game on day one uh and, and that's just silly to me yeah and uh, i guess what i'm trying to get at is sort of just that like because yeah you're that's that's really true what i'm sort of trying to get at is that like access like if you're going to the more accessible you make a game the less you are pushing it to the top ends of the tech because the top ends of the tech are because of the economy we live in not going to be as accessible as like the middle and bottom right so like like you're like i was saying before like you can't have god of war being the super teched out game and also accessible at the same time. And I think that there's a good argument that like it's better and cooler for it to be the super teched out game. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of a bummer. And maybe this is from a position of privilege to be with happy as five, but like it's a bummer to us that we don't get the super teched out game and we get like the watered down version. Like that's life. We, we both have the privilege S five. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> the privilege uh, station it, five, baby <laughs> privilege station. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's enough about that. But moving into E3 Lux, there, there's a lot of things that are pushed back. Yes. This is this is definitely an E3 of announcements for future years. Um, there are there are big things on the horizon, but there is certainly at least one thing that I can almost guarantee as I've run through my prediction system, and that is finally, after a long time waiting, real footage from Elden Ring. Yeah. That is exciting. I think it's just going to happen. I think it's just going to happen. I think it's got to. That's all my I have three things that I'm really hoping I'll see at E3. Um, these are my three E's. E is for excited. Okay. Oh, I got to get my three E's going. OK, OK. I'm excited about real footage of Elden Ring. Like you said, that's on the list. Updates on Final Fantasy 16. And Shin Megami Tensei 5. Um, especially because there was the SMT leak last week that you and 16 other people fucking DM me about on Twitter. <laughs> um, and like, that makes me think that they're getting ready to announce it anyway, which means that makes me think that E3 is going to be the spot. I know Square Enix has a big slot at E3. I feel like they got to have something. And I feel like if, if nothing else, PlayStation has got to be like on their asses to be like, please do something for the PS5. Cause we are in trouble right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Elden Ring, same deal. I just think that, like, those things are coming. And I'm really excited to see all three of those things because those are the games that, like, because you were just saying, like, why did I buy a PS5? Why did I buy a PS5? God of War. The reason I bought it was, like, shit like that. Not SMT. SMT's on the Switch. But, like, Elden Ring, Final Fantasy 16. those are the kind of games I bought it for. And so I would love to see, and I think I will see, hopefully, and I'm excited to see, some footage, some updates, some demos even, of those things. And that to me would be like, if I get those three things, I'll be pretty happy about, about uh, E3, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- there's, I, I'm going to give you a few more that you'd for, even forgot to mention, but those are all, all great. Um, you know, we're going to see some breath of the wild too, baby. I think so. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, any conference that has Elden Ring and breath of the wild too. I mean, what really more can you ask for? You I think- mean, We'll see the Ubisoft, like that that rumored Ubisoft Breath of the Wild Greek mythology game that they were talking about like years ago. You Wait, that, that game came out. Did it really? Yeah, that game just came come out. out and suck and no, and I just didn't notice. And I'm not talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, you're talking about um yeah, I know exactly. It's like whoa, it's not called rhyme. It's uh I know exactly what you're talking about, and it did come out. Uh is it Immortal <laughs> Phoenix Rising? 
Yeah, it's Phoenix. Yeah, Immortals Phoenix Rising. That's right. Um, That's right. It, it came out to much acclaim. Five hundred people downloaded it on the Nintendo eShop. Yeah, this sound. I can't believe that sounded so cool. And I just can't believe just, nothing happened. Yeah, it just was boring and bland. Um, Turns out you can't just copy the stuff. You have to do something with it. Yeah. Wow. You know? Incredible. It's so this it's is an, so funny. I I just I just had no idea this happened. So I'd been sort of like I saw the ad for it and I've been like I've been like this will be a cool thing when it eventually happens. And I've been sort of looking forward to it and figured it got kicked down the road by the pandemic. And it just turns out that it already came out and sucks. This is devastating to me. Um This is about as owned as I get. This sucks. You know, that's funny because I wish that you like had a job at like IGN and like every week you're like, yeah, and I cannot wait for some more news about Immortal Phoenix Rising. <laughs> you just like keep waiting for it forever. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool. No, yeah, that game sucked. Um, But yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be very exciting. I think that finally with this footage, you know, me and you have both kind of predicted that this will be the darker, more Majora's Mask to to the Ocarina of Time kind of sequel. Um, and I think this will will like finally confirm more of the tone with this with this uh, with this announcement. But also in in Nintendo World, we also you know they say they're going to focus on the games. But mm -hmm. they've also got the Nintendo Switch Pro right on the horizon. I'm curious about that. Do I care? <laughs> I don't know. Like, the thing is, is like, you know, our, our Switches, they, they're great. We love them when we love them. And then they get dusty for a couple months. I don't feel like if I was playing the Switch every week, I would be like, maybe time to upgrade. But, you know, I've had this thing for like four years now. Four years, almost, only like maybe almost, maybe almost five now. Because I got it when it first came out within the first like two weeks, and uh, it still feels like new and like there's more, so much more potential with it. So yeah, it doesn't really feel like a a, a console that needs an, an upgrade to me. But I mean, if they add something like 4K, I'm certainly that's kind of cool. So um, here's here's my thing with that is that it seems like 4K is the only kind of like major hardware boost it would get, aside from like maybe like faster loading and processing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just feel like the type the type of games I play on my Switch, I don't need to be in 4K. Do you know, like I'm fine with being in 720, 1080. Like anything I'd like uh, that I crave to see in 4K, I feel like I just play on the PlayStation. Yeah, um, um, that's a good point. But what what I would say though is, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, the Switch has done something surprising that other Nintendo consoles haven't, which is bring on these like really really big third party titles, like stuff like Skyrim and Doom and like other like Bethesda stuff. And while yeah, those games do run on the Switch, they don't run great and they don't look great. Um, and so like if the proposition is, is like a higher powered machine that can like, you know, play monster hunter rise at an even higher fidelity. Like, I think that is something that is kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe you, actually, I, I, you hit on something that actually I hadn't thought of until right this second, which is like, I guess the play that they're making is to be like, cause I feel like most people are, there's obviously, this isn't true for everyone. There's a lot of like casual games, people who are like, I have just a switch. But I think people who like spend a lot of money on games. People who are like us and are like absolute freaks who just waste a bunch of their money on dumb ways, waste their time are like, I have X and a switch. I have an Xbox and a switch. I have a PC and a switch. I have a PlayStation and a switch, whatever. And I think they want to make it so that you can just be like, I have a switch um, by making it 4k, by getting these third party titles, by sort of being like everything you need in your gaming box, you can get with the switch. Um, and I hadn't thought of that before, but I think maybe you're right. I think that's what the switch pro kind of is, is like, it now is you that, can play, yeah. now you can play the big 4k games that we have third party access to. Da, 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 da. And I think you're right. That, that's their gambit. Um, which then when I think about in those terms, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, I also think too, though, that this is an advertisement to other game studios because it's like saying like, Hey, like please come over. Like we will try to make your game playable because I can tell that the development to get it some of these bigger games to play on the switch was like unpleasant for the studios. So I think Nintendo is in a state where they're like, we want this to work, but we're worried that people are scared off. Um, but uh, I, I think something that's interesting, but again, at the, at, at the end of the day, even just like playing the new Mario or the new Zelda game in like 1080 was like 
incredible and yeah. like enough for like that art style and everything you right. know like, I don't know what 4k sunshine or something like 4k Mario I don't know like how much more that adds at that point right I'm playing the Nocturne remaster right now and I'm loving it and it looks great I just don't see what would be added to that playing it in 4k you know what I mean and I've seen and the, the big, footage yeah. or, like I've seen the screencasts of Shin Megami Tensei 5 like same deal mm-hmm. um, God, I, I think really hope we get a trailer <laughs> The, the places where they where they like where they really need to focus as a company is on um, Internet, online play and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and just like, like coming at like those those if if there was like those kind of things that are a part of the, the Switch Pro, I think that would also be a huge reason. But knowing Nintendo, like they still like are on dial up. So I yeah. just don't. If I don't the Switch think. Pro does have like Ethernet capacity to plug in and like seriously game out, then that might right. be a good argument for like, oh, now like again, this can be your all purpose gaming machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, well, um, pitch me on the, something else. What else is going on here? Yeah. So there is um, a massive project that people are saying most likely is going to have some sort of feature. Now, it might just be a cinematic, and I'm betting it's mainly just a cinematic, but I'm talking about Todd Howard's new game, Starfield. Oh, interesting. So this game is probably not going to even come out in 2022, most likely. But all we've seen so far is literally just a logo. And I think that it's time for a trailer. I mean, yeah, I think I think so. Um, haven't heard from Todd in a little while, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think well, I th- especially think that like the so the way games work now, this was triple A titles. Um, although I'll say that ne- that Nintendo games are slightly removed from this uh, for various reasons is that no games ever come out complete. Games come out in early access now. Um, games come out and then patches come out three days later and then more patches come out days after that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and games don't come out complete. And so part of marketing games is getting people to hype themselves up over time so that even though they know the game they buy will be buggy and fucked up, they're still going to be fucking into it and spend money on it. So you've got to start the hype cycle earlier. So it wouldn't surprise me if even now a year, year and a half before the game comes out, they're like trailer action. You're going to love it. Todd Howard, my God. And then at next E3 gameplay demos, da, 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 da. And people are like, Oh, I remember that. I'm so jazzed up. And then three months later, it's like games out. It's kind of sucks right now, but in a month it'll be, bu- it'll be passion. You'll love it. Um, yeah. A week later, the Sony store removes it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was an extreme case, but I think this is true across the board. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised because I think that makes sense that there's like a longer, they need more time to build the momentum to convince people to spend money on what are effectively early access games. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you're getting trailers for games that aren't coming out for a year and a half or two years at this point. Yeah, we're going to we're going to get a slow drip. And I guess the big question for me is not when this game comes out, but does the kid still have the magic touch? Is the Todd Howard is Todd Howard on our tour? I guess this is where we find out, right? Because this is this is this isn't so Bethesda, right? He's moved on. Yeah, well. No, this is Bethesda. Okay, still. Well, I mm-hmm. think it makes this it is, hard yeah. to to quantify the Todd Howardness of the thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I googled Todd Howard, and the first Google is "Is Todd Howard a furry?" Um, whoa, <laughs> what does it say? A hundred percent. Cool. Hell yeah. Good for Todd. Not uh, to, yeah. This is not kink shaming. Oh. This is just learning. Yeah, that rules. Um. I think it's hard to decide how auteurist a game designer is when they're at the same studio for a long time because you just don't know who's on their team and who they've gotten to work with and like what they've gotten to do, you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, I, is it Todd Howard or is it Todd Howard and his 15 awesome friends, you know? No, no, no. Todd, everyone else is just a mindless, replaceable worker and Todd is the genius. <laughs> oh, the elevated. A, so it's like Tesla. Crust. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird because my favorite Fallout games weren't made by him. So I'm like, this guy like could come up with something good again, but it's weird that I'm like, prove it still. I don't know. Am I allowed to say prove it? Yeah, like- I mean, totally. Like, that's what I'm getting at is that like there's so many variables that we don't know about game design. Just because this dude's name is out there and is the guy who we hear about doesn't mean that he's like the relevant variable. So you absolutely can be like, prove it. This one seems to me like a big prove it, but because it's like a different genre yeah, and everything like that, it's space. Um, there's like flying and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I guess he did develop Oblivion in Skyrim. So I guess he did prove it because Skyrim is pretty good. Yeah. And Oblivion is very cool in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. So, well, I guess I guess I'll say is, you know, maybe like, well, let's see, because this is sort of the game where it's like, is Todd going to continue being relevant or not? Because right. if the game is a mess, obviously he'll have a career forever. But like this seems to me to be like his like, yeah, this is right. my next phase and I'm still around. Well, it's just like a, how many game designers do we know by name? You know, not many. And yeah. so, like, if Todd Howard can keep his name out there, that's like an incredible achievement. And if he can't, then it's like, well, all right. Todd, I hope I hope uh, for your sake you don't get crossed off my list. Um, um, so yeah, that's Starfield. I'm trying to think of anything else that might excite you. I mean, that's enough. That's a yeah, lot that's, for a conference. I mean, I mean, Dragon Age Four. We could see something from Halo Infinite. We could see something from, and that will just be funny to make fun of. Diablo like, Four. Possibly. Yeah. Diablo four bloodborne on PC. Like they're like, like th there's all sorts of things to kind of get jazzed about in a year that feels like it's just kind of like full of postponement. Do you think we'll see, do you think we'll see SMT five stuff? Uh, Given there I was just, that league. It's really tough to run my prediction system through that one because the tendencies of that franchise I'm like unaware of. On a certain level, Fair. Like what what moves they make, um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like if it if it got that, I mean, literally like the protagonist, the story, the setting, like everything got got leaked. Um, so I suggest they do show some of it, and, and so you know it's like written up somewhere. Like that does prove that they have like, and it wasn't just it was leaked like script notes. It was like leaked like there was copy. Right. Um, literally one of the one of the people working at the company like wasn't in uh, incognito mode or whatever. And then like someone was able to like screenshot everything. I don't know how that yeah. shit works, but um, I never I don't even know what it's like to be outside of incognito mode. OK, <laughs> never, all never my, been cognito. All my tabs um, are separate. They're not all lined up. They're all different little pain. pain. That's why that, I have 10 monitors. That would make me so happy to get SMT5. I mean, obviously, I've just I'm already I'm on hour 70 of nocturne um mm -hmm. i started that two weeks ago because i'm a real freak um nice yeah but uh i would just love another one i'm so excited about it they, that would honestly that by itself would make e3 for me especially just that in elden ring just because yeah. like i think i think one thing about me that's true with video games uh is that like because i like indies and sports games so much triple a titles don't matter as much to me because if there's not a good triple a there's like a million indies and i could always like play my baseball game for a week um so it's like these things that like really pop me and become like, this is all I'm doing for three weeks kind of games that that matter. And I feel like Elden Ring and SMT5 and even Final Fantasy 16 could all be that, which is why I'm sort of excited to to see those. Um, yeah, to me, it's a perfect concoction of things that I think I'm about to like uh, things I'm excited about that I think I'm actually going to get a first look at. And then on top of that, things that I know are going to be cringe, including a guardians of the galaxy video game, which has been in the works for a very long time. Yeah. What's the deal with that? I don't know. It seems very late. <laughs> yeah. It seems weird that it's so late. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited about that. I'm, I'm getting all sorts of red flags off that game. Um, but yeah, it just seems like, uh, yeah, it's going to be online, whatever, but I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed like something that I, I wasn't looking forward to until I really looked at the list of possibilities. And then I was like, this is going to be a good show. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm we'll determine you've, you've got me more curious than I was this morning. That's for sure. I am more excited and more curious about, cause literally this morning I was like, maybe I'll learn about SMT five. <laughs> um, and now I'm thinking about, I was in a fancy. I'm thinking about Elden ring. I'm thinking about, uh, like Starfield and think about Halo Infinite. Like there's, there's stuff out there. Maybe we'll, maybe deepest, deepest dreams. We'll see fucking some fable four. Um, wow. That, yeah. You really are dreaming for that one. I, I mean, with, and especially getting to see Halo Infinite, I'd love if Halo Infinite came out and it was even looked even worse than the last time they showed it. Like, that'd be so funny. Like, yeah. like just watching them beat this corpse to death is, is great. Imagine a world where um, it like looks incredible. Oh yeah, sure. That sure, would be sure. so weird. People would react so strangely to that. I think. So I think there'd be a lot of people who would still be like, "It sucks," mm -hmm. and it would be like, "No, like, it looks good. Like, you know, like it's fine." Um, yeah. Uh, also, but, uh, small news: yeah. Rory got a Rory got an Xbox uh, Series X the new in one. the mail. Um, so Why? I'm very excited to because it's Rory and he's like this. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to test it out. Uh, I will. I will. I will scout it out. Maybe we can have him come on and tell us if it's good or not after he has it. 
and and what the controller tastes like because we did a taste test on the PS5 yeah. controller oh, yeah. he could do last a, time. He could do a, a taste test and you could have like a sort of nice comp, like a nice comparison. Yeah. So, uh, did he get the cute one or the big one? Yeah, the big one. Okay, it sucks. The cute one is so cute, but I, I, I yeah, you got to get the big one. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm kind of into the into the small one. Yeah, I guess if you don't really, yeah, I mean, but if you're gonna pay that much, why not go? You have a 4K TV. Why not just go all the way? Yeah, maybe so. But my only real concern is Game Pass. You know, so it's just sort of like I know, and, and I, I, it just it's Game Pass still just it's it's a great idea, but it's still not. They just still don't have enough games to make me buy it. You know, yeah. I got the PC. I'm vibing right now. You know. Yeah. Well, I think the PC makes the the sort of th- threshold for wanting an Xbox way higher. Yeah. And also it's just like, I, I, you know, I've been burnt with this PS five. I'm looking at this PS five right now and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to play on it? Death loop. Get the fuck out of here. You guys have been trying to sell me on death loop for three years. No one's buying it. Stop trying to make death loop happen. Just I mean, you could, on. Uh, you could play MLB 2k 21, the show, the show. I'm going to play fours of seven. Yeah. You could uh, do some laughs with, you could do some laughs <laughs> with Rowdy. <laughs> Sometimes I need to just get in the car and drive. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're getting dangerously close just doing Joe Biden right now. Is that how you sound? Really? Wow. You're, okay, you're good. You're doing a little Biden in there. Um, oh, right. because of the driving, because of the car part. And because I get of the way it. that you said it with your voice. But, but because he's the car master of America. He is the king of American cars. He is, you know, he's the cars are. He knows what cars are. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would like him to go. I would like, you know, he, the one thing I appreciate about Joe, he hasn't fucked with Tesla. Not once has he been in a photo with a Tesla. OK, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. That dude likes gas. That that, that dude likes dinosaur bones. OK, yeah, that dude likes burning dinos. And like honestly, respect to that. Um, I think that's I think it's probably a good place to, to call it for today. Respect uh, to that. All right, guys, we love you. Much love to everyone. Uh, check out Choomroom.twitch.tv/choomroom. Uh, check out Wisecrack. Check out Haley on Memory Static Podcast and at Eat Every Sound on YouTube and, tw- and uh, Instagram. And that'll do it. Uh, y'all are the best. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Goodbye. And check out Pal World. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what a dumb thing. <laughs> <laughs>